are finding work and happiness in this government conservation camp at Yellowstone. Plenty to do clearing trails of underbrush to prevent forest fires and gathering up driftwood around the great pet projects. They're a great thing for city boys. The beautiful background makes work a real pleasure for less use to the drab outlines of the tenements. A far cry from the roar of the subject of that of Old Faithful, most famous geyser in the world. Good morning, adventurers. I'm Kelly Prozen. And I'm Dave Feldman. And this is the Adventure Within Reason podcast, a podcast about Minnesota State Parks. Today, in addition to our intro music, you heard a brief intro from the WPA uh, and from their archives. And it was a little bit about the Civilian Conservation Corps, which we'll be talking about this episode because it was a part of the great state park we were just at. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about St. Croix State Park, which is uh, up in Hinkley, Minnesota. We'll get in a little bit, we'll get into the history of the Civilian Conservation Corps later in the episode, but uh, we're going to start things off uh, as we normally do by just giving you a brief rundown of the park and its history. Kelly? Yeah, so uh, we're very excited to talk about St. Croix State Park. This park is pretty special to us. This was our second trip. Our first trip was a little bit of a misadventure. We meant to do a three-mile hike and ended up doing a seven-mile hike, but it was really exciting because that hike contained one of our favorite trails, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I want to start out with St. Croix Park itself. Like David said, it's located outside of Hinkley, and it is Minnesota's largest state park at 34,000 acres. That's pretty impressive, don't you think, David? Very impressive. So, on those 34,000 acres, there are multiple campsites. There are two rivers, the Kettle River and the St. Croix River, both call this state park home. There are biking trails, there's swimming, there's horseback riding. Uh, to get into the trails themselves a little bit, this park is more unique because it is actually has a small amount of trails that are wheelchair accessible, which is exciting. You know, we want to make sure that everybody can get into our Minnesota state parks. Uh, in addition to those wheelchair accessible trails, there's 127 miles of hiking, 5.5 miles of paved bike trails, and 21 miles of mountain biking trails. I'm glad you clarified that this is the biggest state park because I, I was going to mention that this is uh, certainly the biggest state park that we've been to. I wasn't actually aware that it was it was uh, it was the it was the biggest state park in Minnesota. So that that puts it in perspective because yeah, we we've been here twice now, and I still feel like I've barely seen anything that the park has to offer. What I've seen is impressive. First time we were there this past summer, yeah, you mentioned the 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 misadventure. We uh, missed a turn and ended up going hiking about twice as far as we wanted to, but it was for the best because we ended up hiking along this gorgeous trail along the Kettle River, which is along the western edge of the park. If you want to check out this park in the spring and summer, I definitely recommend entering the park and driving all the way to the far western edge of, uh, of, of um, the park grounds and checking out those, those trails that go along the Kettle River. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't recall what those trails are called offhand, but if you, don't, if you just pull up a map, of the of the park on the DNR website, it's it's pretty clear um, which part of the park we're talking about. Yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about the uh, the flowers that we saw there last spring before we go into our most recent trip? Yeah, so I think one of the trails that we hiked contained the Kevl excuse me 
the Kettle River Overlook. So look for that as sort of a great spot to stop and take in really beautiful vistas of the Kettle River. What was interesting about this park when we were there, we were there in May. And in the last two episodes, you've heard me talk a little bit about a kind of wildflower called spring ephemerals. And those contain my favorite wildflower, which is trillium. Uh, among other things, flying Dutchman, marsh marigolds, few other early blooming flowers. And when David and I were here in May, it was gorgeous. I have never seen so many wildflowers in one place. So we had wildflowers sort of to the east of us growing up through the forest because there were no leaves on the trees. And then we had the Kettle River to the west of us. And it was just glorious. A note about that trail, those trails in the western part of the park, they are pretty, well, they're pretty flat, actually. They're a little bit narrow, but if you've got kids, well, maybe, hmm, I guess it depends on how much your kids like to walk, because those trails tend to be four to five miles. But if you have kids who like to walk, that would be, those trails on the western edge of the park would be a great place to take your family, and so would the hiking club trail, which we did this most recent time. David, any thoughts on the hiking club trail? Yeah, we're, we're both hiking club uh, members, which is a, a fun little program you can join for, I think, about as much, about the same cost as the Passport Club. And uh, yeah, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, every park has a designated hiking club trail. And uh, they, they range in difficulty from easy to difficult. Uh, I would say this one was a little bit more on the uh, beginner side of the spectrum, but that's not to say it wasn't fun and interesting. Um, so when you enter the park, First off, when you enter the park, it's about a five-mile drive before you even get to like where all the action is. So just um, get, get get used to the idea if you're visiting this park of doing a little bit of driving because uh, yeah, you leave the I'm forgetting the name of, the name of the highway that you uh, Highway 48. Okay, Highway 48 in Hinkley. So you've still got you know several miles before you get to the main ranger station. And this park is so big, there's actually several ranger stations. They're kind of all sort of. Um, at one corner of the park, but there's so much going on at this park from canoe rentals to, you know, as you mentioned, horseback riding, that they had kind of have multiple uh, ranger stations. David, what do you think of the hiking club trail? Yeah, so this one is about four miles. It's a uh, out and back, or as we like to call it, a there and back again trail. So what you do is you start near the main entrance to the park. There's a, uh, a second ranger station in addition to the main one. Uh, with a small lot and a little lodge near there, and with a few parking spots. So you can park there and begin your hike along uh, the St. Croix River, I believe. And so you go out about 2 or 2.2 miles, and the the first half of, this, of the hiking club trail ends at the, the former location of the Civilian Conservation Corps uh, work, Workman's Camp. Is that the, is that the right uh, terminology? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So yeah, the hiking club trail is basically at this park is based around, um, I guess, encouraging visitors to check out the former location of a CCC uh, work camp, which is uh, something we're going to talk a little bit uh, about later in the episode, as we mentioned before. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's basically all right along the Saint Croix River. There's a there's a, a walking trail that is a little bit more interesting that goes through, you know, woods. It's also accessible by bike. There's a paved bike trail that is uh, still technically part of the hiking club trail. So if you'd rather, uh, you know, bike that trail, that's an option for you as well. I don't know if you'll get the password, David, if you are just doing the bike trail. So you do need to sort of loop down onto that hiker's club 
trail to find the password. Okay, yeah, that's a good clarification. But what we did is we 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 hiked there and then walked back on that hiking club, or on, I'm sorry, on that on that bike trail, that biking portion of the hiking club trail. So, yeah. There's that option. Or you can just walk back the same way you came, which, as we mentioned in previous episodes, isn't always a bad thing. That's how, that's how the hiking club trail is at Interstate State Park. And, uh, you know, you always see different stuff on the walk back, even though it's technically the same trail you went out on. One thing that was very exciting about this hike that I was just really just amped up about is that this is our first winter hike of the year. And I love Minnesota State Parks in winter. And I need to say, I'm not an avid cross-country skier or snowshoer. I just like to be out in the woods in the winter. I think that winter offers something really special. I mean, I'm going to out myself, David. I love winter, which is not, you know, not a lot of people do. Uh, The cold doesn't really bother me, but I like to be out outside during the winter. And I think that one of the really lovely things about being out in nature when it's a little bit colder, when there's some snowfall, is the park was just really silent. I don't know. Did you notice that? Yeah, definitely fewer people there, you know, when there's snow on the ground. But I agree with you. There's still plenty to appreciate uh, about state parks and just hiking in general um, year round, not just when everything's in bloom and all the migratory birds are, fl- are flying around. Yeah, not much birding action this time, David. Did you see anything? <laughs> so uh, pick a number between zero and a thousand. Do you have one in mind? I'm referring uh, to the number of birds I saw, if that wasn't clear. Okay, the number of birds I saw while we were in this park was one. (laughs) I saw one male downy woodpecker. Um, On the way into the park and immediately after leaving the park, we saw some other birds. Um, But yeah, I I literally saw one bird while we were in this park. But we were there after a pretty, you know, a a mild snowfall, and it was mid-morning, which is not typically even in summertime is not typically the best time to go bird watching the, uh, the birds tend to be most active uh, in the beginning of the day and toward dusk so take that for what it's worth a few of the birds i saw on the way into the park and uh, immediately after leaving the park do you remember uh, we pulled out of the, the the main entrance on our way back home and there's a i don't know the name of the pond but there's a pond or a small lake right across from the main entrance to st croix state park and you spotted several trumpeter swans. I love trumpeter <laughs> swans. I think they're so beautiful. They're very pretty. And uh, they're, they're birds that are pretty um, pretty adept at, at living in the cold, oddly enough. As, I guess as long as the, as the water isn't completely frozen, they tend to stick around for a bit. Yeah, on the, on the drive-in, what did we see? We saw a wild turkey, a lot of the usual suspects, blue jays, crows. Uh, I think we saw a golden eagle. We saw a bald eagle. Anybody I'm forgetting? Any, any birds I'm forgetting? Not that I can think of. Okay, so yeah, we saw other birds throughout the day, but while we were in the park for, what would you say, two, three hours, something like that? About two, yeah. Yeah, literally one bird, so (laughs) not much of a birding report for this episode. Yeah, just be assured that normally this park has a, um, you know, if you're there in the spring and summer, it's a great, great park to go to if you're looking for like migratory warblers, you know, more of the, uh, the, the birds that hang around in the warmer months, so. Yeah, don't don't let that you know uh, dis- dissuade you from checking out this park. If if your primary focus and interest is birding, this this park has a lot to offer. Despite my experience there this you know past weekend. So I want to make another quick note about this park for everybody. To get into Saint Croix Park after you turn off of Highway 48 coming out of Hinkley, if you're coming from Hinkley, 
you're going to have about a five mile drive to get to the ranger station where you would buy your pass, buy whatever swag you're interested in buying, pick up your maps. And then if you're heading towards the western part of the park, plan for another 30 minute drive. I, I It's impossible... I guess it was really impossible for me to understand how big St. Croix is. You know, you hear 34,000 acres. That doesn't really mean anything to me because I live in the city and I don't know what an acre is. If you'd given it to me in city blocks, I maybe could have done a little bit better. But be prepared for a long drive in to the western section. If you're heading towards that hiking club trail, it's not very far. It's about three minutes. I timed it on the way out so I could give you guys that information. And the hiking club trail is a good pretty level, smooth hike. If you have kids who can walk four miles, this would be a good trail for kids because it's not very technical or terribly challenging and is still really beautiful and has a really interesting history lesson at the end of it, which brings us to a conversation that we've really wanted to have for a while now about the Civilian Conservation Corps. Before I, before I read off these factoids, I just want to give a, a, a little shout out to the Minnesota Historical Society who have, uh, they've produced a couple short documentaries ranging in from between like five minutes and half an hour, which you can find for free on YouTube. Um, there's also some, some, some interesting newsreel footage, uh, some of which we use at the beginning of this episode from the uh, WPA files, the, the Works Progress Administration. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that was a depression era program to get people back to work and kind of... Uh, you know, keep America going strong despite you know the economic downturn, to put it lightly. Um, so just a quick, a few very quick factoids before we talk about our experience visiting uh, the CCC. Uh, what was it called? The Yellow Springs Camp. Yellow Banks Camp. Yellow Banks Camp. I'm sorry. So the Civilian Conservation Corps was, as far as I, as far as I know, the very first relief program during the Great Depression to to, to come from FDR's New Deal, which was uh, with this massive public works program to alleviate the the effects of the Great Depression when millions and millions of people were out of work or underemployed. Lots of people lost their money because of the uh, shenanigans of bankers and things like that. But what it was an attempt to do was to reduce the welfare rolls and get people back to work by, by providing uh, direct government programs, uh, putting people to work, planting trees, building roads, uh, putting up telephone lines. And in the case of Minnesota, and I'm sure lots of other states, literally building state parks for future use. Uh, the St. Croix State Park would not exist it were it not for the labor of the some 80,000 uh, Minnesotans who uh, took part in this program, the Civilian Conservation Corps. So what it was, it was from, I believe, 1934 to 1943? 1933. This project in Minnesota started in 1934, so you were close. Oh, sure. But the, but the program as a federal program was 1933 to shortly after the U.S. World War II. Correct. Cool. So uh, specific to Minnesota, um, thanks to the Minnesota Historical Society, I, I now know that it was uh, it, it included over 80,000 Minnesotans, um, young men who just needed work. And what it did is it provided them with an opportunity to be employed directly by the federal government. And they would report to every state had its own, you know, CCC headquarters. And they would report, they would be is, either issued a denim, you know, coveralls, or in a lot of instances, they would be given a military surplus from World War One. So there were a lot of guys out there in World War One uniforms, you know, um, digging ditches and putting up utility uh, poles and planting trees, as I mentioned, and literally getting State uh, St. Croix State Park off the ground. So what they did is they had this um, 
sort of base of operations, which is no longer there. It was disassembled after after the CCC ended. But for several years in the 30s, there were there was a lodging, a mess hall, recreation facilities at this one spot in what is now in the present day St. Croix State Park. And so if you were to take the hiking club trail to the to the end of its first half, you will find the location of um where all those buildings were. And there's there's one thing left standing from those days. Do you want to tell people a little bit about that, Kelly? What's left standing is a fieldstone fireplace from the rec hall that the guys used to go and play cards or shoot pool or do whatever. So it's this fieldstone fireplace kind of standing in the middle of an oak savanna that has some cleared spots where the buildings used to be. I am not a religious person, and I am a socialist. I will say that being in the presence of the CCC project is probably the closest I've been to church in a long time. I have a special connection to the CCC because, quite frankly, without it, I probably wouldn't be here. My grandfather was employed by the CCC in Wisconsin, and without it, he would have starved to death, likely, during the Great Depression. So I feel very grateful for it as a program. So I've got some sort of more specific notes about the Yellow Banks camp. So in the late summer of 1934, it was founded with over 200 men from North Dakota came in on the train to found St. Croix State Park. Their first job was to build a road so that people could get in. And then for three years, they built public campgrounds, picnic areas, roads, trails, fire breaks, and they planted trees, surveyed, and managed wildlife. Something that we learned while we were at the park that I think is really interesting is a lot of guys showed up to the CCC and they were really emaciated and, you know, not terribly healthy because it was the Great Depression and everybody was starving. And I have, I pulled the quote from one of the little interpretive signs that they have at Yellow Banks. I want to read it to you all. And it says, quote, I know a lot of guys that went to Yellow Banks and gained 15 or 20 pounds after six months. They went in looking pretty weak, and in six months, they looked rugged, tan, strong, and healthy. And then listed under that quote, they have a menu for July 6th, 1935. And dinner that day included breaded pork chops, mashed potatoes, pan gravy, lettuce and tomato salad, sage stuffing, mayonnaise dressing, I'm not really sure what that is, scalloped corn, celery, olives, bread, butter, apple pie, and coffee. So just for one meal, that was what the guys got served, which sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, and all those guys, as well as um, guys like your grandpa, were paid about $30 a month, which adjusted for inflation comes to somewhere between six and $700, which doesn't sound like a lot to our modern ears. But keep in mind, this is a time in, in our country's history in which many, many people were out of work. People were destitute because they lost their money to... Uh, because of the, like as I mentioned, the shenanigans of this of uh, Wall Street and, and the banks across the country that just money just disappeared overnight. And uh, we're not going to go into the history of how you know all that market economy kind of stuff works. But suffice to say, when the guys showed up at these uh, CCC camps, it was because they wanted honest work, and this was a federal program that was putting them to work doing things that were crucial to to getting our country back on its feet. And so they were making all this money, and one of the stipulations was that they had to send a lot of it back home. So what that meant was people that had previously been just on the dole, as they say across the pond, um, were now 
employed doing meaningful, meaningful, useful work and also providing for their families back home. And yeah, as previously mentioned, that's why we have this park and many others like it is because of the labor of these people. So for what it's worth, you know, I, you know, we want to dedicate this episode to the men of the Civilian Conservation Corps. Something else that I thought was sort of interesting, David, is on a national level within the first 30 days of this program being out and open to the public, 275,000 men signed up for the CCC. And just thinking about the scale of that, when is the last time you've ever heard of that many people signing up to go to work to do any, you know, to do anything? Yeah, um, never, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so the Yellow Banks CCC camp, or the remains of the camp, and the information about that camp are at the end of the hiking club trail. And on the way back, you walk through a growing oak savanna, a really young oak savanna. Um, I think yesterday it looked maybe a little bit desolate because it was small trees uh, and oaks hang onto their leaves during the winter. So a lot of small trees with brown leaves and a lot of snow. And that was about it. So it was an interesting hike back. And during that hike back, we realized that we had a question. I had a question. And it was, what is the relationship between oak savannas and prairie? Yeah, and this plays into uh, the fact that a lot of this state park has been, um, there's been, uh, what is the term for it? Prescribed burning, I think, right? So uh, we asked, Kelly, Kelly posed this question to our listeners on our Facebook group page. And we almost immediately got a pretty succinct and informative answer from uh, one of our listeners, Jessica. So the question we asked, uh, as Kelly just read, um, was posed, and this is the answer we got. The oak savanna borders prairie because oaks can withstand being burned. Prairies naturally burn on their own, lightning strikes, etc. And acorns and oak trees can withstand the heat of the flames. That explains their proximity to the prairie. So... Thank you, Jesse. You'll be getting something in the mail for being the first person with the answer to our question. Yeah, we can't tell you what the prize is going to be or even where it's going to come from because we don't know where where our next state park visit is going to, uh, or our next state park adventure, I guess I should say, is going to occur. Just keep asking your mailman every day. Just say, say hey, do you, have, <laughs> do you have a prize for me? And, it's, and eventually, one day soon, he will. But until then, he's probably going to be a little confused and scared. So. <laughs> Okay, David, do you have any other notes on St. Croix State Park? Uh, no other notes. I guess I just want to end uh, by piggybacking on something you said a moment ago, which was that, uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a religious person either, but visiting the the uh, the far end far end of that uh, hiking club trail was an almost spiritual experience for me to 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 be in in the in the presence of uh, or maybe that's not the right way of putting it in the um, in the very location of one of the great federal programs of yesteryear that really helped a lot of people get through the Great Depression and and, and helped America become like a, a prosperous place once again. So it was uh, it was very uh, spiritually rewarding to, to just stand in that place and, and know that it was a focal point of, of uh, the Civilian Conservation Corps at one point, almost 100 years ago. Yeah, I think it's worth noting that the CCC still technically exists, but it's in... I mean, I'll show my cards here. It's in a much lesser form as an AmeriCorps program. So instead of being paid monthly to do this kind of work, you get an AmeriCorps stipend of, I don't know what they are now. They were between three and $5,000 when I was looking into AmeriCorps, which wasn't enough. So 
it still exists, but not in the capacity that FDR had originally set it up to be, and like I said, in my opinion, in a lesser form today. I don't know. Any any final thoughts on St. Croix State Park in general? This, I think it's fair to say this is a park we're going to be going back to again and again. Yeah, it has 127 miles of hiking trails, so I hope we end up back. Oh boy, lots lots more to do. So until next time, Kelly. Yeah. Uh, have a great week, adventurers, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.